right, welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Uh, we are coming at you less than, or yeah, less than 24 hours, about 24 hours since the Wizards blew yet another late game, their second in a row. Going to talk about what's going on here late in the game, which player in particular I think needs to step up, which player maybe needs to get more, the ball more, and which player our guest has a big issue with. Our guest would be Mr. Adam Rubin from truthaboutit.net. Adam, how uh, how are you doing on this uh, Sunday evening? Well, I think I've calmed down somewhat from how I was Saturday night at about 9.30, uh, leaving the, the Portland game. Uh, we so I'll, I'll try to have, yeah, yeah. We don't want the calm version. We want the one that's like, you know, rants and that's going to rant and rave and, uh, you know, throw things, you know, while talking kind of person. Well, if you mention certain people's names, I'm sure I can channel the uh, the feelings that I had uh, after the game. All it right. won't be that hard to, to, to get to. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll get to all that here in just a second. Uh, of course, as always, you can find all of our podcasts on iTunes or anywhere else you do your podcasting. After the game, Todd Divis and I went through what we saw out there, uh, including uh, just, you know, how, how Portland was able to sort of get what they wanted in in the final stages of that quarter and some continued rotation questions that we had uh, for this team as well. If you've, uh, if you've got a second go, if you're on iTunes, Subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, give a review of the podcast. These things help us uh, immensely. If you want to follow us on Twitter, well, let's just say follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ben Standing. Adam is at Liddell's Place. And, uh, you know, go read Adam's stuff on truthaboutit.net. You know, one thing, uh, sometimes the blogger world gets a bad rap. Sometimes it's deserved. But always remember that these people, including Adam, they have like real jobs and stuff, and they decide to take their time to dedicate to write and think and talk about nonsense like the Wizards. So respect that, regardless of the uh, whatever you think about it. Is that 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 is that fair? Is that a good point? Uh, fair, but uh, if I'm being honest, a little backhanded it sounded. But yeah, okay, oh, I'll why, take it. Why was it back, <laughs> why, why was it backhanded? But, but, but you're, you're presuming a lack of respect for the bloggers. But yeah, well, I understand what you're, I I get where you're going. There's an immense lack of respect for bloggers from some people. I I clearly am not one of those people. I have you on the show more than I'm on the show. Well, you got to keep your ratings up. Exactly. I know, I know what's what. Um, But not all bloggers are created equal. Uh, In any event, (laughs) let's, uh, let's get into this. Now, I spent a chunk of my Sunday seeing as how. The Redskins weren't playing, and I didn't have to do too much on that front. Uh, I, I was looking up the Wizards. I, I, like like a lot of you, I'm sure I'm thinking about these late-game situations. What's going on? First, I'd like to say this. This the, 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 late-game collapsing that we're all you know talking about now, these last two games in particular, it isn't just these last two games, right? I mean, if, we, if, we're, if, we're, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm pretty sure I am, the very first game of the year, they played the Sixers. They won by five points, but they had a good lead and blew it, right? And then they held on late. The next game against Detroit had a good lead, blew it. This is, and then we know what's going on from there. They lose to the Lakers having a good lead. They, they lost to Golden State. Obviously, it's a little bit different because it's Golden State, but nonetheless, this happened. So, so this has been going on all year, basically, and to the point where I'm like, okay, I need to like look up some some stuff here. What you know, try to figure some things out. What's going on with this? And you know, look as a uh, 
you know, Mark Twain said that, you know, there's, there's, what is it? There's, there's lies, there's damn lies and there's statistics. Not, not every number tells the full story. You got to put context into it. And that's what we're going to try to do here. So Adam, so here's some numbers that stood out to me broadly with regards to the wizards. Uh, first of all, they're in the, in the fourth quarter. Well, let me start with this. I looked at their net ratings, the points per 100 possessions for each quarter, right? In the first quarter, they are fifth in the NBA in net rating. Second quarter, they are ninth. Third quarter, they are tenth. Now, the trend is going the wrong way, but obviously that's all not that bad, relatively speaking. Top ten in all three. In the fourth quarter, their net rating is 26th. So clearly, that's a drop-off. And again, if you've been watching them all year, I think you see this. But just pointing out, it's clearly a uh, drop-off. By the way, I will say the team that they play next, Minnesota, they are dead last in the NBA in fourth quarter net rating, a whopping minus 15 uh, points per winner possessions. So maybe that'll help the Wizards over, uh, avoid a, uh, a late game collapse uh, going against Minnesota. Uh, some well, other numbers. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's probably because they're all tired from all the minutes that <laughs> Thibodeau plays them. Yeah, no, that's probably a, uh, a, a reasonably uh, fair point. Now, um, when you look at, so to, to break it down to a different point, uh, offensive net rating, overall, the Wizards are eighth in the NBA, 106.6 points per 100 possessions. In the fourth quarter, they're 28th, 98.8 points. Defensively, they're 14th overall, 103.8 in the fourth quarter. It's actually not much different, 16th at 105.5. So it really is the offense. That's cratering. Now, that said, Portland made 11 of 17 shots in the fourth quarter. Uh, I don't think Charlotte's numbers were that impressive, uh, to be honest. But more, I just remember looking at the box score of that one. And I, I didn't think that Charlotte was making like an insane amount of shots, whereas Portland certainly didn't. CJ McCollum truly did down the stretch. Lastly, just net rating overall, Wizards are eighth in the NBA, plus 2.8. In the fourth quarter, they're 26 minus 6.6. Um, I'll get to a, some specific player situations here in just a quick second, but I mean, I mean, I, I guess I was gonna say, does, does, does that ring true from what you see? I don't know how it couldn't, right? I mean, obviously they've been pretty good and they, as Bradley Beal said yesterday, they got to stop letting their foot off the gas late in these games. Well, I think one thing that jumps out at me is the one refrain from the team is always that our offense is no problem. We can score, we can outscore people. It's the defense. And, you know, uh, Brooks is always saying, you know, we have to be a defensive team that can score, not a scoring team that can play defense. And I think that's not entirely correct in the fourth quarter because as the stats are showing, I think it's more, yes, the defense is bad, but when they have leads at the end, they're in a position where they only need a couple baskets. When you're up seven points with a minute 40 left, okay, you want to play good defense, but – if you can just hit a couple shots, you're going to win. So there are times where it is the offense, you know, that that's Washington's problem late in in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's it's sort of we've come to accept that the defense is not going to be there, but you can still win even if you're giving up points at the end if you just don't shut down your entire offense for the last uh, four minutes. So I mean, I think it's it's a chicken or the egg type thing, but I, I think the offense is is a major concern. Right, and, and also you know it becomes. Um, you know, do you get away from what you're doing? I know that's sort of what we're going to talk about 
um, when I tee you up in a little, in a, in a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, and obviously, you know, oftentimes if you're not scoring, you know, this is, this is, this goes for NBA players or if you're playing in Adams, uh, rec league games on, uh, on a week, on a weeknight in the, in the, in the DC area, if you're not making shots, you tend to play with worse defense, right? I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty much human nature. So if they're not scoring, uh, then, you know, it, it probably does have some give and take on that end, but you're right. I, I, I like, I think the two, there's two, there's been two narratives. One, the one you just said about how they're, they're not worried about their offense. It's the defense. The other narrative is that the, that the bench is what has been blowing these leads. And that was certainly a factor. So in some of those earlier games, it, it was not, I don't think it was a factor in these last two games. I mean, the bench gave the Wizards a pretty good lead. The bench with Otto Porter starting the fourth quarter was the one that put the Wizards up 17 points. Uh, it's, you know, Bradley Beal was, you know, his plus minus last night was pretty awful. So the starters were the ones blowing that one. And this brings me to my second look here at the fourth quarter. And by the way, I'm going to write a bunch of this up for uh fan rag sports. So hopefully it'll be up on Monday. You can check that out as well. So I won't tell you everything I looked up, but uh, you know, uh, you and I and, uh, <clears throat> and others that were out and about last night, breaking down the world as we, as only we can do. And one player that I said I think is probably not getting enough, I don't want to say criticism per se, but not, not, not enough spotlight on what he's been doing is Markeith Morris. Because we talk so much about John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter for the obvious reasons that they all have these big contracts and they're, they're also the best players on the team. But Markeith Morris, his play last year is why that team, in my opinion, went on that 17 game home court winning streak. Not that he was the best player, but his, what he was able to provide them on both ends of the court, energy, rebound, defender, tough guy who's making three-pointers, really unlocked so much. Now, we all get it. He's coming off the he's coming off the, the hernia surgery, missed the first several games. We, he, he said this. He's going to take him a few minutes to, to work his, you know, get up his conditioning, his work his way back. And I think we all accept that, reasonable human beings, and that's fair. And he still hasn't played. He's, I think he's played about a dozen games now. But uh, nonetheless, it's, you know, he's still working his way back. He probably, he's probably only about half of those. Has he maybe he's been close to 100%? And he hasn't even played tons of minutes and all. All that said, when we talk about why the Wizards are, are, are so much worse later in games now than they were a year ago, where the stats are a lot better, I think Marquise Morris is kind of a thing. Just so, for example, I looked up the uh, fourth quarter net rating for the for the for uh, for the players individually. Now, the just to sort of look, for example, uh, Bradley Beal last year was. Uh, 11.6, uh, plus 11.6 in the fourth quarter. He's right now minus six in the fourth quarter. Otto Porter was a plus five last year. Right now, he's basically even. So, uh, you know, th- they're all generally down. Some are a little bit. Martin Gortat last year, plus 9.9. He's minus 12.8 right now. Mar- the, the net, the, after Martin Gortat, there's only one player who's in the rotation after him. Gortat minus 12.8. That's Markeith Morris, minus 43.4. That that's not good. Now he's not. He's only played, I think I want to say in like seven fourth quarters. So again, we, we, this defines small sample size. But he he's also shooting here, Adam. Um, in 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 losses in general, he's shooting thirty five percent from the field. He's averaging seven point two points. Here's another stat. This is not about the fourth quarter. This is about him in general. He has taken on the season twelve free throws. And eight of them came in one game. 
I mean, like, that's a guy they need to get to the line. Not only he make a lot, but he's one of their, you know, he's a big guy. You need him to, like, be able to, you know, throw the ball inside, get to the line. So you put all that together, struggles in the fourth quarter, not getting to the line, uh, you know, not hitting not hitting the threes at the same rate. When we talk about they're missing John Wall or this, that, and the other, they're kind of missing Marquise Moore, certainly the guy that was a huge factor for them a year ago. And I think it's, we've got to, either we have to ask Scott Brooks, is he healthy? Or we have to start saying, okay, Marquise Moore, especially with that wall, now's your time to get going here. Well, yeah, that's the, I think objectively, you can say that Marquise is clearly not bringing what he did last year, at least when he started playing consistently uh, during that stretch, I guess, that started with the 17 game winning streak. But I mean, the big question is, yeah, why is it happening? Is it just simply because he's not yet in shape? And also, they are still limiting his minutes, and he did make that comment a few weeks ago about how he's still recovering from that ankle injury from the Boston series, which is sore, and he doesn't seem to have the same lift. You know, he's not playing as aggressively as he as he had uh, last season, I, and just the Portland game in specific. I remember, I think it was with the possession with 20 seconds left. It might have been the previous possession where he got the ball at the top of the key, and it, it was almost like he didn't want it. You know, he took a couple dribbles and then got rid of him, but he was wide open. That's a time when he could have made a move or he would have put the shot up earlier. So, I mean, there's also a hesitation to his game now. Um, so it's also sort of compounded by the fact that, you know, Mike Scott, who's his closest, you know, I guess the closest type of player that's on the roster, he's not playing. So you're sort of, you're not getting that Marquise Morris type uh, production from anyone else on the bench because no one else is playing that role. So. I mean, I, 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 I'm guessing because he's not back to full minutes that he isn't at full strength. And I, I don't think it's just his getting back into shape. I mean, I'm thinking it might be that he's just not, he's still not fully recovered. I mean, the, the abdomen can always, you know, that's going to, if you're not fully recovered, that's obviously going to, you know, affect your ability to, 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 to jump and, and to, to want to be down in the paint. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's all speculation, um, but the only indication we have is he's not playing full minutes. So what, you know, what other reason would there be for him not be, you know, to be still on some type of restriction? Right. And, and like I said, if he's hurt, I'm not, you know, I, I'm a reasonable man. I'm not saying that's, you know, that, 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 oh, come on, man, you gotta, you know, you gotta tough it out. I'm just saying when we talk about all the reasons why this team is, is struggling right. and, and there are people who want to say, Otto Porter needs to be more aggressive. You now people say, great, you know, Bradley Beal, come on, man. You got to make these clutch shots at the end, and there's some maybe some truth to that. And John Wall, you know, what do you, you know, maybe he's forcing some things. All that may be true, but Marquise Morris, we're just sort of like, oh well, he, you know, we're we're just not. I, I don't hear anybody really saying, hey, how come Marquise Morris isn't playing well? To me, that's the biggest, you know, the biggest difference. I mean, even though Bradley Beal was like a minus twenty and the plus minus last night, he still had twenty six points. He still, you know, he had, he had, he matched a season high with seven assists. Otto Porter's his stat line across the board was pretty spectacular, so on and so on. So, uh, I, you know, like I said, it's when we're, just when we're looking at why is this team not playing the way they were able to for a good chunk of last year, I think the fact that they don't have the Marquise Morris they had last year is something to consider. And by the way, just to sort of bring this into, back to the rotation, this goes back to why I don't understand why Mike Scott is not playing or why he didn't play yesterday. I mean – he's not the same, he's not, he's not Marquise Morris, but Brooks was even asked, I think it was pregame, about the fact that Mike Scott is sort of a Marquise type player, or maybe Marquise Light, and he kind of agreed, 
and which is why if you're not getting full Markeith, why would you not might use more Mike Scott? Even if it's to say, hey, while Markeith is getting back, maybe we put Mike Scott in with the starters a little bit more um, as a potential as, as an option. So I think that's just something to keep an eye on, rather than just sort of keep pinging Beal and and, and Otto and and you know Ubre or whatever. The one guy who really isn't the way he was a year ago, Markeith Morris, is maybe the guy who needs to get a little more attention here going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's fair for looking at why is why is this year different than last year? Then yes, Marquise is a a big part of that. And then the next step is what do you do about it? And that gets into the rotation issues that you're that you're mentioning. You know, what do you do when you don't have a full strength Marquise? Do you play Jan Mahimi or do you play other people? But yes, that that's for a. I'll let you prompt that in a later in the later part of the discussion. <laughs> So yeah, anyway, so I'll, 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 I've got some other stats on this, and I'll put that up uh, on FanRag Sports, and you can of course check uh, if you follow me on Twitter. The link will be there at some point at Ben Standing. Um, and like I said, he's not the only one. There's other people who are yeah, basically all the all the players are down from a year ago where they were with their fourth quarter numbers. I, I believe last year, other than. Some of the bench guys, namely Jennings, Bogdanovich, Mahimi, and Ubre, everybody else had a positive net rating in the fourth quarter. This year, only Kelly Ubre and Otto Porter have positive, and they are just like one point over. Like they're nothing that impressive. So it's collectively an, an issue. But I mentioned Otto Porter, and you and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Look, Otto Porter, you know, his 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 final stat line yesterday was rather impressive and of course I don't have it in front of me the second but I'll pull it up here while we're talking. Um and you know he he in the, he plays the first like 18 minutes or so of the second half. He he's out there being aggressive, he's making plays, he's he's helping fuel the the fourth quarter surge and he goes out, that's when actually things start going awry. But when he comes back in, I don't think even I don't think he took more than one shot after he came back in, but you were talking about a specific matchup that was taking place that the Wizards totally did not take advantage of. You were, uh, you know, you were talking like a like a drunken sailor almost with your with your anger uh, <laughs> about about this. What what were you noticing out there that was driving you crazy uh, with regards to Porter? Well, I was perfectly sober, but also yes, very angry. Uh, <laughs> in the last couple minutes of the game, Portland put Damian Lillard onto Otto Porter, sort of the way that the Celtics put Isaiah Thomas onto. Otto in the playoffs and for several straight possessions they didn't look to him at all to post them up and this is when they were doing the the uh pick and you know just Beal running pick and rolls with Marquise and Gortat and getting you know just driving into Nurkic at the at the rim and, and not scoring and there's a couple times where with a couple minutes left where Tim Frazier gets the the ball in bounds and and Otto's actually asking for the ball which he very rarely does but was asking for the ball to be pushed up ahead to him and you know, Fraser looked him off, not not you know, not not in a in a bad way, but more just you know, he was running the offense as a, you know up to the right side to Beal because that's what the offense is in the last three minutes, give the ball to Beal. And it, it was just the the shots they were taking at the end were all these manufactured shots with Otto standing there for several possessions just with his hands on his hips, uh, with Lillard standing there right next to him, and not once there seemed to be no recognition from. Scott Brooks, not once they called to get Otto in the post. The only times he touched it were where he would catch it at the top of the key and then quickly pass it. It was just part of the motion offense. It wasn't a 
set for, for him to get a shot. And it just seemed uh, ridiculous when you're up by seven, when you only need a basket to, to not isolate on that mismatch. And I, I don't know why they don't do it when on the opposite side of the court, Stotts is running pick and rolls with Lillard every single time to get, you know, Lillard isolated on Gortat and, and Scott Brooks is, is conceding that, okay, we're going to allow that. We're going to switch and allow them to run the play beginning with a mismatch of Lillard versus Gortat. And then on the opposite side of the court, Brooks is doing nothing strategic in terms of setting up uh, any type of motion, any type of shot for, for Otto with a very clear mismatch. So, I mean, it's just watching it sort of, uh, you know, just, a death by a thousand cuts just to, when the lead was going away in, in those last few minutes and just seeing like all of these opportunities where Washington's offense, and, and this is the reason for the numbers that you were citing before, they just get away from their entire offense and just put the ball in Beal's hands to to put up a, a jumper or, or a forced drive when they have so many better opportunities available for them. And, it, and in this case, it was Otto on Lillard. And I, I just, I was, if I could have, if I was sitting close enough, I, I would have been yelling at uh, Brooks. Uh, but just to not see that for two and a half minutes that they switched Lillard onto to Otto and to make no attempt to take advantage of that, I just thought was was crazy. And and uh, and yes, I did yell about that. And I tried to be more reason, reasonable and, and rational as I'm explaining it uh, now. And, and look, you know, last year when 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 Boston did that, the question was, could the Wizards take advantage of it? Now Otto Porter in the playoffs was not the same Otto Porter we saw in the first half of last year. His three-point percentage was down, you know, whatever it was. The hip was bothering him. He just wasn't – he didn't have enough confidence, whatever it was. We've seen a different guy this year, right? I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, all of a sudden Otto Porter is going to take anybody to the hole, but you can't allow another the other team to put their, you know, their small guy on him and not try to take advantage of it. We're watching Otto Porter do a lot more, be a lot more aggressive. Um I was talking to somebody after the game and I brought up sort of the, the idea that Otto needs to get the ball more. And after a little bit of a discussion, I mean, their basic comment to me was, well, I've got eyes and you've got eyes and what can we say? I mean, you know, so it seems like we're all kind of seeing this, the, the he's getting the, you know, and, and this goes like quadruple without John Wall. If the only play is we're going to, I mean, like I'm, look, you, everybody's heard me push Bradley Beal needs to have the ball in his hand in late game situations for, two years now so okay well now we're getting that but if you can't be so one-dimensional i mean bradley beal isn't kobe bryant or lebron right i mean it's not like the defeat it's a 100 this guy and whatever else happens what happens i mean get out of the ball especially if the other team is going to somewhat disrespect you by by doing that take advantage of the mismatch you just try it like i mean what 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 you know especially there's this is an extended amount of time this isn't like one game where maybe you're like, yeah, we don't want to deviate. Cause sometimes I think it's a smart move by team to put a, a, a to, to, to throw out a mismatch and for, and, and see if the other team will bite and give the ball to a lesser player. If I, I'm making this up hypothetically, but like, you know, if, if you, if you put the ball, if you gave the ball to, uh, you know, if you had like you know, a much, much, much smaller player guarding, you know, Jan Mahimi or even Gortat. And all of a sudden, you're trying to run the offense through them to take advantage of it. That'd probably be a win for the other team, even with the size advantage, because that's not who the Wizards typically have the ball. Giving it to Otto Porter, that's not that. He's a guy who should, who should have the ball a, a ton, uh, especially you know when, when he's putting up uh, good numbers 
as he did, uh, you know, last night, just for, just to go back to this, 24 points on 9 of 15 shooting. He has 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 0 turnovers in 37 minutes. That sounds like somebody who should be getting the ball, not just taking two shots in the fourth quarter. And I'm thinking both of those came when he was in there at the start, not when he came back. Yeah, and he's shown the ability now to, if not, have, he doesn't have a post game down low but he can post up the smaller guards even when he's 15 feet away and just hit his turnaround baseline jumper. And that's what he would have had available to him, you know, with, with Lillard on him. And it's also a way where you draw fouls. I mean, there's other things that come out of that. Otto's a good passer. If they pull over a double, then, you know, he can swing it for someone who's open. So it's just like that's a whole way you could, even if he doesn't get the shot up, you're at least starting from a point from an advantage, which is what, you know, Portland was doing to Washington in, 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 in the pick and rolls and getting Nurkic the ball, you know, at the free throw line where he could just make passes to open guys. I mean, so, I mean, they had uh, Washington's defense scrambling uh, by design and, and Washington was, you know, just doing a two man game, which was not working. I mean, Nurkic was controlling the paint. Um, so, I mean, you just gotta, you know, it's just the, the offense goes on autopilot at the end of these games and it just defaults to usually it's it's a wall you know wall and deal alternating sort of like what Durant and Westbrook did you know uh, under Brooks, um, but now it, it was just deal and sometimes sometimes you have to recognize the mismatches and you have to you have to go at them and it just doesn't seem like uh, you know Brooks does that enough you know deviates sort of at the end I mean he has good he, he has good out of bounds plays a lot of times out of timeouts and stuff like that it's just that he he sort of allows the game to sort of slow down at the end and he allows the stars to, to, you know, dictate the plays and just put up the shots as opposed to just saying, Hey, let's, let's do the same thing we did when, when we built the 17 point lead. Um, but it's, it's sort of like a prevent defense. It, it, their offense goes into a prevent offense. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And by, and just to sort of, just to finish off the auto thing, I mean, you mentioned, it's not like you're just saying, Throw the ball to Otto, and Otto's going to shoot. He can do a lot of other things. Otto is Otto is one of the most efficient players in the league. Very low turnovers. So if this was the flip side, if Portland put Damian Lillard on, say Kelly Oubre, I wouldn't 100 percent right, exactly. force it to Oubre because Oubre is probably more. I would, I would, I would 100 percent. I would 100 percent say not to do that. Right. That's an example of where Portland would want to bait you to give it to Oubre. That, that that's exactly a perfect example of what you were saying before. That it's sometimes you could do it when you're trying to get the a matchup that, that you want. You want them giving it to Oubre on Lillard. But but here, you know, Otto, like what you're saying, is not he's not the same guy. All right. So uh, you're listening, of course, you know, to the Locked on Wizards podcast. Ben standing here along with Adam Rubin from truthaboutit.net. One final topic here we'll get into on this podcast. By the way, as I said earlier, but the Wizards back at it Tuesday at Minnesota, start of a stretch where they play seven games, uh, seven of eight on the road. And I think Adam may lose his mind if in the seven of eight games on the road, Scott Brooks doesn't change things up with his uh, big man rotation, specifically the man who backs up Martin Gortat, Jan Mahimi. And I'll let Adam rant a little bit but uh, on this in a second. But, you know, we got some Jason Smith yesterday uh, on Saturday against Portland, and obviously a lot of people have been clamoring for that. But Jason Smith's minutes came at the expense of Mike Scott, who didn't play at all. And it's, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to make it out that like Mike Scott is, uh, you know, suddenly, you know, winning the six man 
of, of the year award or anything. But you know, where he's been, I don't know how it's, it's kind of, it seems kind of hard to complain about Mike Scott. He's he's come in shooting. He's shooting forty five percent from three. He's averaging eight point six points in eighteen point six minutes. You know, I mean, again, I'm not saying he's the best thing ever, but like he's been pretty effective. If you're going to tell me at this point for the Wizards, you're keeping Marquis from Gortat with their regular minutes, but now between all their other potential bigs, who needs to sit, who needs to start, of all, or who needs to play, who needs to sit, Mike Scott is at the top of my list of guys who I'm playing. And by the way, last night with Portland, they, you look at their guys off the bench, it's not like they've had some of the hulking uh, bigs or, you know, in there that you had to you know sit him and he couldn't contend with, or, or even, you know, he, it seemed like a reasonable matchup for him. He doesn't play, but Jan Mahimi keeps playing, and that's where I know for you, it's uh, it, it's sending you off the edge, and with with justif- justification because Mahimi just continues to look awkward, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean it's that we've got. Of course, everybody says Mahimi's not good. He's not playing well, but it's it's now it's now at the point where. Defensively, even if you wanted to call him, uh, you know, a net zero on defense, he's, he's not helping. He's not hurting. That's not the case because he keeps committing fouls. But even just throw that out. On offense, he has now become. He's become unplayable. He's become to, to the point now where, even if you run a perfect play which gets him the ball three feet from the rim with no defender near him, he's not going to score. He, he's going to be blocked. And when he catches the ball in the in the offense most of the time he's catching it that first pass at the top of the perimeter and there's nothing he doesn't do anything with the ball he just quickly looks to to get rid of it and it's it's really the fact that there's no there's no longer any justification any logical reason you can give for why he's in the rotation other than the contract because it's at the point where you can't even make the argument that Theoretically, you believe he should be the backup center, and that's what you hope the team will have at the end of the season, and he'll be a defensive anchor. And so we're going to try to push through and fight through this and hope he can get back into better shape or play better. Because it's now at the point where you're now sacrificing the current state of the team. You're 10 and 9. You're not, you're, you're, the team is not 14 and 5 as, as it should be. And so you can't sacrifice these games. And I always say that if Portland, if the rushes were completely the same, but say Portland last night was forced to play Mahimi 13 minutes, they, they would have lost. If Boston had Mahimi on the roster and you told Brad Stevens, you have to play Yad Mahimi 13 minutes a game, I don't care how good a coach Brad Stevens is, you know, Boston's not going to be 17-3 or whatever they are. So Washington cannot continue to handicap themselves. They're, they're not good enough to say, we're going to play – and we're just going to throw in the worst player on our team and make him play 13 minutes a game and try to overcome that, you know, just because we enjoy that. We want to give ourselves a challenge. I mean, it's just, it's absurd to handicap the team in this way. And if you take a sort of bird's eye view of the team and to say, okay, who's getting minutes, who's playing, and you say, okay, Jason Smith is getting DNP. Mike Scott gets DNP. Jan Mahimi just plays regardless of what happens. There's, there's no way you can look at it and say that he's giving something to the team that those two guys aren't. And in addition, those two guys are playing pretty well. It's not like you, Jason Smith, when he gets in, he's playing well. I know his shooting percentages are down, but he brings an aspect to the team on offense that nobody else does, no other big man does. And it's, it's just ridiculous to put out that five-man bench unit and expect them to score when, you have a, when you're playing four on five. And 
Jason Smith makes such a big difference, or Mike Scott would, having someone out there who can stretch the floor and hit a jumper. So you're not having to manufacture every basket with five different passes to get Meeks a a leaner or hope he hits a runner. I mean, you could have someone who's going to make a wide-open 20-footer. And it just makes... It makes no sense that that, that, that that you know Brooks is watching this and is not willing even for just a game to make a change. And it would be one thing if this was matchup dependent. I understand if you're playing Orlando and Bismarck Biombo's in and you say, okay, Mahimi's a better matchup. But Mahimi is playing backup minutes against Kelly Olynyk. He's playing against you know power forwards. It doesn't matter who is on the floor. That is who the backup center will be. And it's just it's just the it seems it. it it, it gets me as a sort of like the Eddie Jordan level of stubbornness. It's the I'm playing Jarvis Hayes at power forward against Drew Gooden in this playoff game because he's our power forward. I don't care that Drew Gooden's going to out-rebound him by 15 rebounds and keep killing him on the boards. That's our power forward. I'm not changing. I'm going to play Nene against Paul Millsap. I don't care that Paul Millsap just kills him and we're getting destroyed in pick and rolls with, with Nene and Gortat. He's our power forward. That's what we do. It's the same exact logic that we're seeing in Scott Brooks. And, and it, I don't see why he won't just for once, you know, make a change. And, and the, the, the more uh, frustrating part is when, and again, uh, I'll cut this rant off soon, but that <laughs> when he did make the change in the Miami game, when Washington went down 25 and he's like, Oh God, I can't, I, I, I can't put Mahimi back in. I'm going to put Jason Smith back in. They come back. So it's like the evidence that he sees is all negative towards Mahimi, positive towards Mike Scott and Jason Smith. So it makes you wonder, like, what would have to happen for Mahimi to be taken out of the rotation? I, 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 after those two blocks, the two times he got blocked, like, I don't know what more. And also the fact, I'm not even, I haven't even mentioned the fouls, the, the, the ridiculous rate of fouls. I mean, that, that's just a whole separate issue, just even throwing that out. So I, I don't know what would have to happen to get him out of the rotation, but Whatever it is, it better happen fast because this team is, is not playing well and they cannot afford to have an anchor playing 13 minutes a game. They're not good enough to do that. And it's the same thing as Amir Johnson. Remember the Celtics last year in the playoffs? They started Amir Johnson. It, it, it was as a, as a fan, Washington fan, like, I mean, this is great. I love it. Amir Johnson's in. Marquise Morris kills him for a little bit, then they take him out. That's what everyone's getting as an advantage when they play Washington when Mahimi is playing on offense. So... You know, there just there needs to be there needs to be a change or at least a sign of some type of experimentation or at least a matchup dependent change. Maybe get Mike Scott in there when they have a smaller power forward in, you know, playing center to stretch the offense or something. There needs to be some. All I'm asking for is some recognition from from the team that this is something that they're thinking about and are willing to change and that this is hopefully not contract dependent because it's one thing for the contract to screw up the salary cap and future signings, but it's another thing to make that contract also affect the team on the floor by forcing Brooks to play him, whether implicitly or not, whether he feels an obligation or not, I don't know, but the contract's the contract that hurts the books, but just don't let it hurt the team on the court. That is the end of my Jan Mahimi discussion. You feel better? I'll turn it back over to you. I'll turn it back over to you. You feel, you feel better now? Well, that's the problem with the Yamaha contract. You never, it's going to take four years for me to feel better. But yeah, I guess slightly. Well, I was going to make a joke. And, I, and, and you also get the cover because you get to have, you know, 
you get to have that on your podcast, but you can just walk away and say, hey, I didn't, you know, that wasn't me who said it. Oh, um, no, I think I, I think you make some strong points. I mean, at a, at, at a very base level, I mean, there are about there are like five, six guys who have played every game this year. Yamahimi is one of them. Mike Scott, yeah, yeah, that's Mike what Scott I'm has sat yeah. three games. He's not been hurt. Jason Smith has sat uh, 11 games. He was hurt for a couple of things here and there, but he sat. Um, and yet, yeah, he doesn't change. I mean, Jason Smith, it's hard. It's somewhat a little hard to tell because he just hasn't, you know, I think there's something to be said for consistent playing time and helping your shot. He's shooting, you know, 7% from three right now. A lot, it's not, yeah, but, it's, but, but I'm just saying, it's Mike, if, if you're right, right. If you're willing to sit Mike Scott for three games, when this guy just at a very basic level, I mean, Mike Scott, the only player on the team who's be- shooting better from three right now is Otto Porter. That seems like a good thing. Why would you want to take that guy uh, out of the lineup? But he's not. By the way, uh, Jan Mahimi, per 36 minutes, he's averaging 8.3 fouls. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, this is, yeah, it's Jan Vesely's summer league uh, level uh, <laughs> foul, foul rate. But, and... The, the, actually, the foul number, the rate doesn't even do it justice because it's, it's also the it, how unnecessary these fouls are. They're all off the ball, moving picks. Just sometimes he just like trucks people for no reason. Um, well, he's also averaging per thirty six minutes a team high three point five turnovers. So, so I mean that's more, and he's not, not touching the ball nearly as much as you know John Wall, who's averaging three point two per thirty six minutes. Well, yes, he should not be. <laughs> yes, that, Wall should definitely be leading the team in, in turnover percentage. Um, right, Wall and Frazier are the next two, which is you know reasonable considering they have much their whole well, course, in the yeah. ball. But yeah, it shouldn't be the guy who you know even if it was Gortat, it might be like, well, okay, he's you know I get there. In any event, it, it, it you know look, I'll, I'll, I will just add, I will just sort of fi- finish my point with this. I don't disagree with pretty much anything you said. I do think that you know Yamahimi, there's Contract aside, they do need him to be a rebounding and a defensive presence the way he was at times last year when he played. And if he can be, regardless of what we all think about the original contract, regardless of what we think about the fact that you can't play him with Gortat, regardless of any of that, he will be a benefit to a team that you know doesn't really have a, a lot of stout defensive individual players. That's the kind of guy you need to funnel it into your big man and have him sort of, you know, you know, be that last line of defense, they need that. So they need to figure out how to get him going. But, you know, at the end of the day, if he's not, and you're willing to sit other guys who seemingly having some pretty, you know, pretty good years, or, or you know, or, or at least in the case of Jason Smith showed you a lot a year ago, it seems like that you, you should give him, you, you should give the benefit of the doubt, you know, sort of the other way to, to, to try to sit him. And, of course, I'm reminded of last year, I don't know if stubborn is the right word, but it took forever for Brooks to sit Marcus Thornton and to sit Trey Burke, two guys who were just, you know, just not just not great at what they were doing. And then he was also stubborn with the whole, I'm going to keep playing John Wall, Brandon Jennings together, even though it looks like a terrible lineup. Um, he didn't have a ton of options there, but, you know, there's a certain stubborn streak, I guess, to some degree with what Brooks is doing, and maybe we're seeing it with Mahimi, and I guess we'll just have to see what happens. And and I will say this: last year, Jason Smith was awful to start the season, along with Trey Burke and Marcus Thornton, and he turned it around. And I'm not saying the same thing can't happen with 
Mahimi. I, of course, I would want him to be that defensive anchor, uh, rebounder, and shot blocker that, that he was, at least for a time, with Indiana. So that would be great, and I'm not saying at some point he couldn't be a value, but, but the fact remains that right now he isn't, and right now the team can't afford to have him on the court. So you can, he can work through that. He can hopefully turn it around like Jason Smith did, and hopefully by the end of the season he could be a guy who's part of the rotation. Um, but it's just a matter of right now purely assessing how the, how the team is playing and what the team needs. It, it needs an attempt at somebody other than Mahimi, you know, anchoring the second unit. All right, there you go. So um, I think that is, I think that, that your Mahimi rant, I think, was the longest I've ever heard you talk without without interruption. So that was that was impressive, if nothing else. We, get, we got to at least witness that. Well, and I also was consciously cutting it off, too. So that's right. That's, that's even more so. No, I hear you, man. You know, I mean... I make that same speech to myself every night, so that was easy uh, to translate to the podcast. I feel like that's like, that's like when people like meditate, you know, they try to calm themselves down. You know, when they they say some some things to the they say some things to sort of help them calm down. You go the opposite way. You you rant about Mahimi and raise your uh, intensity level. You're you're like screw. I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to calm down. I'm getting jacked up, and I'm going to do it by uh, venting about Mahimi. Does it make sense? It's a trigger. It's a trigger. Definitely. It's definitely a trigger. Understood. All right, man. Appreciate it as always. Uh, follow Adam on Twitter at Liddell's place. Uh, smart guy. Don't give him crap because he's a blogger. He's, he's above that. Don't, don't, don't be one of those people. Um, thanks, man. We will talk soon. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, uh, hit you up when they are, uh, on this, uh, road swing it's two games in a row they come back home i think they play the pistons and then it's five back out west so some more late nights coming up for all of us here in the near future uh you've, again you want to make sure you don't miss any of the podcasts just subscribe on itunes and uh, follow me on twitter at ben standing and we'll uh you, you'll you'll be in good shape all right that's it thanks for thanks for uh listening and until next time see ya everybody just Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive. Long shot. Dagger!